Hello, and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Chief Sports Writer Neil Allen to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, we're joined by none other than Super Jed Wallace, who delivers some outstanding insight on his days at Fratton. Jed looks back on his Pompey emergence, with tales of his friendship with Ricky Holmes, hitting Tiger Tiger with Johnny Ertle, and being scared witless by the fearsome David Connolly. One of the finest players to wear royal blue in the last decade details the big influences on his Fratton career, dealing with the social media vitriol and outlines his hunger to one day return to Fratton. We're now available on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, so give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition delivered to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. We are delighted to be joined today by one of the most exciting Pompey players, certainly the last decade, um, 100 league starts, I believe, across three years, 30 goals, quite literally Pompey family, and he's uh, kindly left uh, Wellard back at Albert Square to join us today. It's Super Jed Wallace. How you doing, lads? You right? That's a, a build-up, isn't it? What a build-up that is, Jed. Come it. on. I might, make, I might have to make you my agent there, Jordan. You're talking very well about me there, mate. Uh, well, the big build-up. I know you're delivered, though, Jed. That's, that's the thing. Exactly. Uh, Let's hope so. It's great to see you again. Um, just firstly, Jed, how, how's things? How's the family and how are you keeping? Yeah, good. Um, probably the same as everyone else, really. Just trying to keep um, the kids entertained. Like My youngest is actually one today and then my oldest is two and a half. So it's been uh, fun, shall we say, in the house. Just sort of trying to keep them busy. Um, thank God I've got a dog, really. So I've been able to get out of the house for a couple of hours a day with the dog as a family. Uh, and just obviously waiting to see what happens with football and, and when we can get back, really. Well, we did mention Wellard in the build-up as well, Jed. So, yeah. Exactly. Nice mi- so, uh, He's a bit smaller than Wellard, I reckon. We've <laughs> <laughs> uh, got you on today just to really primarily have a reminisce about your, your time at Pompey. So, let, let's whiz on. Let's take you back to, when was it, August 2012? Plymouth, your, your debut? Oh, yeah. That was a mad, mad time. <laughs> mad time. Crazy, I think at the time what? I thought that was all normal. And then what I know about football now, I realised just how crazy <laughs> that actual period was. Um, <laughs> Obviously, as a young lad, I thought, oh, this must just be the norm where, like, there's just 20 different players coming every two weeks. And then, obviously, mm. now I know what I know about football, I think. <laughs> it was, really was a unique experience. Um, but one I learned a lot from, I think. And it's held me in good stead. Because if I, if I could get through that mad ship for a couple of years, then I think I'm, I've been <laughs> all right for the rest of my career, to be honest. <laughs> Do you think it was a good grounding for you in that sense that it was just so off the wall and kind of, as you say, prepares you for anything that you face further down the line? Yeah, and uh, I think more so definitely now playing for a club like Millwall, where obviously I think people realise if you are a Millwall player and it doesn't go too well from the start, it can become a difficult place to play. Um, and obviously playing from a young age every week at Fratton Park with the, the expectation and the pressure of a, of a big crowd and stuff like that, I think it's held me in good stead. Um, obviously playing for Millwall and bigger club like Wolves, it's, um, I've sort of managed to, to get used to that pressure from a young age and I think that's helped me really. What do you remember about that night? Do you remember a great deal about it? The players, I'm just looking at some of the names there. George Maloney, Tarbuck, George Colson started that night. Crikey, there's some... It was the whole youth team. It was the whole youth team. Um, I actually remember that week. I mean, that pre-season, I think it was the year where we first kind of gone with the first team. Obviously, Michael Appen was a manager. And it was sort of me, Dan Butler, um, at the time, Ashley Harris, Adam Webster, that sort of group. And then obviously... 
I think that year it was a bit odd because I feel like that the Plymouth game was before the first league game of the season. I think I might yeah, be right saying that. Yeah. yeah, so we obviously, there was about, I think it was like 12 young lads we all played. Um, we actually done really well. We lost 3-0, but I think we let two goals in in the, the last five minutes and we actually done really Did, well. Did, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I thought we're going into the Saturday, I thought decent. And obviously, we're going to be playing, I think it was against Bournemouth, first game of the season, mm. like in League One. Yeah, well, so I think it was going to. And then next thing you know, we signed... 17 players on Friday afternoon at four o'clock and <laughs> me and Dan Butler were in Nando's at two o'clock on Saturday rather than walking out of Fran Roller coaster week really. Yeah. Well, we'll go back go back a bit further because I want to ask a question answer a question that I've always not really known about because I know at least two people claim the credit for signing you. Andy Orford and Steve Cottrell both claim claim you. Who do you regard it that brought you to the club? <laughs> uh, well, I think I'll have to give Steve Allen a wiggy a shout out as well, really. I think he was actually my manager at Farnborough at the time. He knew Steve Allen, who was a physio at Portsmouth. Mm. So that was kind of my in. And then um, I went and trained. Uh, didn't actually feel like I'd done very well. But then we'd done a... Um, I was running with the youth team, actually, because it was pre-season. I was running with the youth team. And uh, I'm a fit lad. And obviously, I worked hard to get fit for my trial. And I just remember winning all the runs. And I think that's where Cots was quite impressing me. I don't actually think he saw me kick a ball for about three days, but he saw me run and thought, oh, he looks like he can run a lot. So he might actually, if he can kick a ball, he's got <laughs> half a chance. <laughs> um, but then obviously Orse was the one really that took me under his wing. And I had a, it was a bit, I think people don't realise how much of a big transition it is, sort of moving from home at the age of 16, 17, mm. in with a family you've not met, who I still speak to now. Trevor and Wendy looked after me for a couple of years, who I still speak Where to. Whereabouts were you? I remember you were down at Gapcom Avenue around that way, weren't you? Near, I near was the, down, near... uh, I can't remember the road. The, it was Hilsey, you know the Turkish cafe on the yep. corner? It was just around yep. two minutes from there. So I used to walk down Gap, there and get Gap, the toast. Right. Is that the one, yeah? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Yes. Not far from yeah. Roko, actually, where they train now. That's right, yeah. And so then, that's uh, where you were I was there and then, Obviously, it took me six months, really, just to get used to training every day, which is different, and the pressure of it. And then, I was, to be honest, I was terrible for six months, and then um, sort of found my feet, got my fitness up a little bit, and then not really looked back since, really. And obviously, one guy and Andy got got the job and managed to get me into the first team, um, scored a couple of goals in my first couple of games, and I think that sort of bought me a bit more time and sort of just went from went from there, really. I'm sure, Neil, you remember the actual uh, league debut. It was uh, New Year's Day, wasn't it? Swindon. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was terrible. David Conley made his debut as well that day. came off the bench, didn't it? It was 5-0 at Swindon. It was a horrible afternoon, wasn't it? Well, I was meant to come on, I think, at 0-0 or 1-0 down. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I was nervous coming on. Like, oh, I can come on and like maybe make an impact on the game. And then James Collins scored, I think, four in 12 minutes for Swindon. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> yeah. actually, I actually came on 10 minutes later and it, we were 5-0 down. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault, I promise. I wasn't even on the pitch. <laughs> um, but no, it was still like, when, when I was that young, I just, even if we lost, I still was buzzing just to, to go from playing non-league football with my mates, literally, to playing at Portsmouth in like a year period I was just buzzing to be honest yeah. Connolly made his debut the same game for Pompey what, what was he like? Yeah he was um interesting character um, <laughs> very intense very intense someone now that I realised actually how much I learned off at a time um, mm. super fit super intense fantastic player um, someone that I'd actually quite like to bump into and have a have a speech with her. I was actually on Talks Water the other week and I think he was on there so I didn't get a chance to properly catch up with him. But at the time yeah. obviously we had some fantastic 
senior pros, obviously Ricardo Rocha, Patrick Adjiman, Dave Connolly, um, all these sort of people that I look back now and realise how much I actually I actually learned off them guys. Um, but Dave was he demanded it. He demanded high standards, um, which which he got um, from himself really, because obviously he was the one that at the age of 36 he'd be winning all the running, lowest body fat at the club. Um, he was someone that you sort of mm. looked down for. If you'd done half of what he'd done in his career, you'd be doing all right. And um, He's, he's certainly someone I definitely looked up to, even if I was really scared of him at the time. <laughs> I was going to say, he, doesn't, he, did, he did not suffer fools, that man, did he? He didn't mess no, around. no. He's, he's a funny character because he's such a nice guy. And then, like, he'd come in the morning. He used to live right near Richmond Park, um, which obviously is a lovely area. And he'd come in and I'd be like, you're right, Dave. And he'd be like, nah, I had it with someone walking the dog this morning. I'd be like, how can you have an argument with someone walking the dog in Richmond Park? Surely that's like <laughs> the nicest, poshest people in the world. Do you know what I mean? But he was. Uh, fiery character but that's why he had such a, ses- a successful career because he was he was driven and he demanded it from others so I enjoyed it yeah there were some good characters around their time who, who else stands out in your mind from, from that, those, those players around that <clears throat> era oh we had some funny ones like uh, obviously Bonds and Gala stands out him and Patrick Adjuman them two great laugh obviously I had a great time with Ricky Holmes and Simon Ferry who I still speak to now um, I'm trying to think more probably it kind of Funny thing with footballers, it kind of blurs into one. I try and when I think yeah. actually that that first group was like John Harley, Brian Howard. Um, kind of yeah. think that we had a uh, who else was in that group? Dumbaya, Dumbaya, Marcus Painter, Dumbaya. That's one. Yeah, Dumbaya. He was a good player, wasn't he? Very good player. Yeah, there's loads. I just played. I just must have played Thierry Racon. I mean, I must have played with sixty players in in a year period. It was just mental. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> we had James Keane, like people like that. You just forget about yeah. who were there. Crikey! So yeah. many players. Like it's just hard. And the only consistent thing throughout was probably myself, Dan Butler, Adam Webster, that sort of went through it all really and come out the other side of it, which is probably lucky, really. Does, was that all that uncertainty around that time? Was the club going to survive? Was it kind of you? The fact that you were so young did it help you? Because you just kind of you've just got on with it. And, and, oh, it was and, a you know. massive bonus for me because I would I've been playing first in football at that age if it wasn't for a club like Portsmouth at the time, who obviously were in dire straits to be honest. So it, it opened the door for me, um, and it's just about can you can you get through that door and can you stay the other side of it? And like say three or four of us really established ourselves. Um, a couple. Obviously, people like Ash, Ashley Harris at the time, he was probably the best player at the club, come through, and it's mm-hmm. not worked out for Ash. <clears throat> Obviously, Sam Magri was in that group as well. Um, and then there's other people that are still playing, Ryan Williams, Alex Grant. I think if you actually, if we had that 11 now, I think we'd have um, probably have one hell of a team, actually. Yeah. Well, one person you <laughs> what, mentioned what? there, and we spoke to him recently, was, uh, uh, was Ricky Holmes, and everyone associates you with... With Ricky, some great memories from there. What, 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 what was that camaraderie in your friendship like? I saw Ricky the other day, actually, in Neil's story, wasn't it? He said that it was a good job that you uh, got away from the club because you were probably... Yeah, I did, see that. I did see the headline saying... I did, <laughs> did see the headline. It? I thought, oh, God, he's going to stitch me up here. It's gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna, my missus is going to be packing a bag for me here. I'm going to be kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly. He makes out like I was some raving drunk walking around the streets of Portsmouth at all hours in the morning. <laughs> really, I used to just go to a story where every other week after a Tuesday night game that was as bad as it got to be honest um, yeah I think there was certainly I think the likes of um, Scott Allen and Chris Maguire them sort of people at that sort of time yeah they were they were worse than me and Holmesy that's for sure but um, no nah, it was I loved Holmesy he was like obviously seven eight years older than me and 
someone I learned a lot of. And there was a lot of players at that time at the club that had a lot of ability. People like Andy Bartram, uh, Ricky Holmes. Mm. And I knew that I had to play well to, to keep myself in the team. And the one thing that stuck out with Holmesy from really early was when I was playing and he was on the bench, he really supported me through that. And, and that's what I, I thought, mm. what a good person he actually is. Because as we all know, he's a confident geezer anyway, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so at sort of 27, 28, Ricky being on the bench for an 18, 19 year old, a lot yeah. of older pros would have turned quite nasty, to be honest. And he was the complete opposite. When I played bad, he was the first person to pick me up and support me. And, I've, and that's when I realised that what a nice guy he is. And that's why we're still friends now. Uh, we speak on a weekly basis and we have probably like, well, yeah, eight years now, eight, nine years, which is crazy, really. Um, and obviously he's gone on and done. It was, it was weird, really, because you always saw them glimpses at Portsmouth of him, didn't you? But to, for him Absolutely. to go on and do what he's done, um, I think just injuries for him just... Been terrible, really. He had some. I mean, we had a few spells, didn't we? But that time when we went, I think we won six in a row when Fogden, Danny Holland scored a hat trick. Yeah, I yeah. remember that yeah. period of games where Holmesy was on fire, really. Um, probably just didn't see it enough at Portsmouth, but he's certainly seen it a lot since he left, to be honest. Well, do, you, do, you agree, do you agree that it was, it was right that you separated? Uh, no, I just think I don't know, really. No, I don't, I don't think so too much. I just think a case of these things happen. I think. He likes to think that he, he can take a bit of credit for the season that he left. I had a really good season. He's just trying to take a little credit off my name. Um, no, I don't know. I think we both... I think the most important thing for me was obviously Andy Orford getting there. And I remember at the time, it was constantly, was I going to move? Was I going to move? Um, and I was actually changing agents at the time. And I remember speaking to the agent that I'm still with now, David, and he was probably the only one that said to me, actually, take a step back. You're sort of 18, 19, playing every week for Portsmouth. So let's just sign a new contract, play your games at Portsmouth, get your experience and then just go from there, really. And I think that's, that's the advice I needed at the time, just to stay where I was, play football and just enjoy it. And, and it's, it's the best decision I ever made, really, because that following season, although we didn't have a great season, personally, I felt like I'd done well and I enjoyed it. And I would have felt like I just didn't want to jump ship, obviously, when Portsmouth were the sort of the club that gave me my chance. And that's obviously why I still have that um, affiliation with them now, to be honest. Yeah, say so 17 goals goals that season. Um, not a, not a great season, but for you personally, I mean that was that was your emergency lit up. You, I mean a lot of fans even reflect fondly on that time now because of your your performances. What what stood stood out for you that campaign? Yeah, I loved it. It was I think what the the, the underlying memory from that season was probably when I missed a penalty against Exeter and then scored that goal at the end. Um, oh yes, I think that was really what football was all about for me. I think my mum was crying her eyes out in the stands. I think a few people were not being very nice to me after I missed that penalty. And then that's, that's the emotion of football, isn't it? Um, that, that was amazing, actually. Probably still one of my favourite moments I've had in football. Um, I just think playing every week at a, at a club the size of Portsmouth to, stay, to keep myself in the team with so many players coming in out through the door was something that I definitely feel proud of. Um, and also to be able to leave the club and everyone wish me well and not one person saying anything nasty to me shows actually how, what a unique club it is. And that's why one day, obviously, I'm, I still hope to come back and play again at Portsmouth because I left on such good terms. And I just felt like everyone was so nice there from, from Roger when you get to the game, you walk through the gate and you go see every, everyone's just so nice and so welcoming. Um, and that's why I've, I've always come back and watched. And unfortunately, now I'm going to be getting married into to the Portsmouth family anyway, so I'm doomed. <laughs> Stay involved in it forever. <laughs> when, when, when is that? When, what's going on with the wedding at the moment? Then what's the, what's the story? Uh, well, we're hoping 
June 2022. Um, but obviously, not sure what's going on now. So we've obviously had a couple of weddings this summer we were meant to be going to that have now been put back to next year. So not sure how long it's going to drag on. So hopefully um, in the next couple of years, really. Yeah. For, for the people who don't know, your, your partner, Abby, the, the, the daughter of Mark Kaplan, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. So they're yeah. quite literally a part of the Pompey, Pompey family, as you say. Yeah. Well, I know that's what I mean. I'm literally... I think I'm Mark ringing me after every game and I get an hour, an hour talk about the game. And he goes, oh, how was your game? I'm like, mate, you don't care how my game was. <laughs> it's, it's talk, we talk pause for an hour and he goes, oh, I saw Mill one today. You don't care, mate. Don't even bother asking me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, are, you no, lucky, um, are you lucky Zagney uncle or something? After I think so, yeah. Well, I mean, he's actually a lot calmer than me. I'm the one saying, oh, oh. he's like, no, we'd be, we'd be all right. We'd be all right. Um, and obviously, yeah, it was a bit... Worked that weird, really, but Mark's someone now that he's like second dad to me. Do you know what I mean? I've um, obviously been with, with Abby a long time now, so I have um, feel like a bloody Portsmouth season to get older anyway. I think I feel all the stress and pain of it through Mark anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and as you say, you'd like to like to come back one day. That's something. But it'd be an easy deal to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I'm not sure about that. I wouldn't say that too early. Um, <laughs> not to sell myself short. Do you know, Mark, Mark might watch this. Do you know what I mean? Um, but, no, I think I think probably Porter more than any other club I've ever seen. Every player inside the footballing circuit, they all respect it. They always say, oh, what about that atmosphere? What about the atmosphere at Porter? And you see so many ex-Porter players that would love to go back. Obviously, I know, mm. obviously, a good mate of Ben Thompson. He recently yeah. went down there. Um, mm. And he, he loved it. Like, absolutely loved it. And he was like, he's Millwall through and through. And he still is. And I went, listen, mate, just go down there, play some games. You'll love it. You'll love it. Come down. Absolutely loved it at the time of his life down there. So, it is that sort of club. It's you can, you can fall in love with it, and I think that's why so many players go and come back and stay there for such a long period. And obviously, Portsmouth has an area as well. I think a lot of people forget that when you move to a football club, you move to the area, and mm-hmm. Portsmouth's an amazing place to live as well. Which obviously a lot of people take for granted when they um, sign for other clubs in the country. I'm not, I'm not going to say who. <laughs> <laughs> ben, though, what a player! I mean, one of my, one of my favourite players of, of, of recent seasons. So, uh, what, did, what did he say when he came back? What, what did he say in his time at Pompey? Jed? Oh, he loved it. He loved it. Um, and obviously, the thing with Tomo is he's he's only ever known Millwall, so he was always Millwall, Millwall, Millwall. And I was sort of I was speaking to Mark saying, look, you, you should get him. He's not playing here, and he had a, a really close relationship with Neil Harris at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there was a lot of clubs in for Ben to go on loan as you know, what a good player he is. And then obviously he went there, had an amazing six months. And to be honest, last year he saved our season. I mean, we were having a terrible season and he come back, a little bit of confidence, a little bit of a bounce in him. And, and he, he was brilliant for us last 10 games. And without him, we probably would have got relegated last season. Um, he's had a bit of a stop-start one this year with injuries, but you guys know, he, I call him the Duracell bunny. He's just everywhere, isn't he? He wins a header <laughs> yeah. against someone six foot seven. He's flying into a tackle. He's kicking it. In the gut. He is just all action. And I think that's why and the Millwall and Portsmouth, the fan bases are similar. It's that similar, old working, yeah. working class, isn't it? They just want players to give it 110%. Um, and that's why I think people like me and Tomo have got on well at both clubs because we just run around like lunatics. <laughs> Who's got the best running stats out of you and Tomo? I'd like to know that. But I'll tell you one thing. Tomo's won more headers. I can give you that for a fact. But he won't, he won't, run, he won't run more than me. But his little legs. You've got to remember, Jordan, one of his steps... He's like half of one of my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I love, I love a player, though. Uh, well, you say he saved all season. It probably killed, killed Portsmouth in all reality. It was a big hole, wasn't yeah. it? After, yeah, well, after. he's a funny player, really, because he, he can, he's so mobile that he, he allows you to play a two in midfield. And that's where we had a lot of our success the year we got promoted from League One. Um, we played yeah. 4 4 2. 
And we had Sean Williams, who is an out-and-out footballer in there. And, and we had Tomo. He, he just runs around everywhere. He's so mobile. He's, he's all, like I say, he's all action. He's everywhere, isn't he? And obviously, yeah. without him, you, a lot of teams, without someone as mobile as that, you're going to have to change to like a free midfield, which I think's happened a lot, obviously, since mm. Tomo's not been there. Yeah, absolutely. He scored 30 goals at Pompey. And um, there's well, one particular favourite of mine. Portsmouth recently, I don't know if you saw this, they did the goals of the decade. And they mentioned your goal at Carlisle. They mentioned yeah. the goal against Plymouth. <laughs> Where was the York goal? Nowhere to be seen. It didn't even get a oh, mentioning. What, what is that all about? So uh, well, we lost. We lost four two, didn't we? I remember that. That was a tough day. That diff- one. That was a tough day. Wow. <laughs> it was. Always, it was. Yeah. It was just. A, it was a tough. Tough day. You know what? In football, yeah, it's, it's a it's a ruthless environment in terms of, especially now with social media, and you don't like to see anyone things go against someone, especially when you see how, how much it hurts them. Um, mm. And it was a tough day for John, really. And I, I didn't, didn't, just didn't sit well with me that day. It was a difficult day all round. Uh, that, from the, the two Portsmouth games I think of, that one, and I think of Rochdale away under Richie Barker. Oh, I think yeah. that game. They were tough days. I mean, you look over and you see a thousand Portsmouth fans travelled up to Rochdale on like a Tuesday yeah. night and we've just pit on an absolute shit show, to be honest. And you think mm. we're in trouble here. Um, and I look back, it's funny actually, although it wasn't a successful period for the club, I look back with so much good memories because of obviously I was a young lad and I broke in the team and stuff. And I think really at the time, I should have been a lot more disheartened with things than I was really because we weren't anywhere near successful mm. as we should have been because we still had a lot of good players. I mean, you look at now how many players we, we have on our teams. The likes of Sonny yeah. Bradley I played against this year, decent centre-half at championship level. So many players have gone on if you put that team back together now with the better players, you'd, you'd have a great team. It just, for some reason, I think maybe what was going on off the pitch certainly yeah. probably didn't help on the pitch and it was just a bit of a roller coaster, really. Yeah. Oh, you, you, t- you, you touched did, on... Did, did, Go on, Neil. So, so, did you know that in that dressing room that night that was Barker's last game? What did he say to you? No, I don't think so. I just think it was just a surreal game because we were so bad. Um, and I think... I would, I mean, I wouldn't say, I couldn't tell you exactly who, but I mean, there was this period of that club where because players were coming in on one-month contracts, one-month contracts, um, they certainly didn't care as much as, as they should have, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And some would say that's fair enough because if said player pulled his hamstring, he'd get released. That was, that was mm-hmm. how it was at Portsmouth at the time. One-month contract, unheard of. Um, but obviously for people like me, that had sort of fallen in love with the club, people like Dan Butler, Webster, that have come through the academy and the club meant a lot to them. It was tough to, to understand at the time, really. But now I look back with the experience I have and think there was a lot of people that didn't do what they should have done or what they could have done in the games. Um, and I think the Portsmouth fans would decide for themselves who them sort of players were. Um, but also, at the flip side of that, people like Ricardo Rocha and people like that, that as a young player, you look at and not only on the pitch, off it, you learn so much off. So it's just a um, crazy experience, really. Yeah, so Richie Barker there. That was uh, right, that day. It was almost like a, Neil. You'll confirm this. It was like a resignation speech from after the game, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, you knew his game when he spoke to the press after the game. Yeah, well, it's, that's the thing. Reports of such a big club, isn't it? You, you get these managers um, that have not been at bigger clubs before, and they come to Portsmouth, and it's difficult. I actually could. I couldn't say a bad word about Richie. Um, mm. Really good coach. And, and at the time, I'll, I'll be honest with you, but, uh, with you guys, I was so inexperienced. I didn't know what good manager was a bad manager was I was just out mm. there as a free spirit almost like just felt like I was living my dream to be honest just playing week in week out and 
everything else was kind of background noise. Whether that's selfish or whether I was just a bit starstruck by what was going on, I'm not sure really. Um, but when I, if I saw Richard now, I'd still have a good relationship with him. I think he's doing a great job. He's been coach at Rotherham and I think, is he at MK Dons now maybe? Is it, is it Rotherham now? Yeah, but he's been, he's been he's at MK Dons and yeah. in Chelsea. So he's, yeah, he's been a little bit around, hasn't he? Um, I think he's got a good reputation in football. As a coach and obviously manager side, probably not worked out for him how he would like. But when I think, yeah, another game that sticks out was first game of the season, all the hope in the world, and we got battered 4-1 off Oxford. Remember that one? Oh, <laughs> oh yes, we can. Oh, yes, dear. We can. We will talk about the good games in a minute, won't we? If there is, if there is any. <laughs> but you're the one that keeps you're the one that keeps bringing them up. I know. They're all coming back to me. Oh my god, they're all coming back to me. You won't get any, you won't get any sleep tonight after that. The scars, oh, the scars are still there. The scars are still there. Tell you. And then we had the Sheffield United game. That was a fantastic. I saw that on Twitter actually on my flashback a few years ago. That was a fantastic game, wasn't it? Well, let's speak about that because that was at yeah. the end of you know all the uncertainty that came there. That was you know one of the the finest days uh, certainly of the decade. As the clubs won the battle for survival and Sheffield United yeah. going for the playoffs, well and truly putting their place. And you were on the, you you bagged that day, if I remember right. Yeah, you? that was an amazing atmosphere that day, wasn't it? And obviously with um, Ian McInnes obviously taking over the club and the, the fans of what they've done, it just felt like a one big party. Um, and then I think how that day went, I think we went into the following season with loads of optimism and hope. And that's, that's why football is as is, is <laughs> emotional as it is because it just sucks it straight out of you. Um, but like I say, that was a great day. Um, I think, yeah, there was, there was loads, just especially at Fratton Park. I mean, we had, we had some great days there. I mean, I remember also winning at Crew, where we didn't win for about a year and we beat Crew yeah. away. And it was like, <laughs> looking back now, people were acting like we got promoted. I think, what were we doing? But at the time, like I say, I was 18 years old and I was just relishing it all, to be honest. Uh, we had Johnny Ertel on the other day, and he was he was talking about that 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 day because it was, it was so hard for that time, wasn't it? Players coming yeah. in and out, and uh, hundred yeah. players. And, and Johnny's one person that took the, took everything on board. Uh, people like him at that time were so important for the club because he was someone that actually people could look at and go, you know what, he cares, and he he, he cares about the football club. Uh, he was another he was a fantastic person, sort of bloke every day that would. He's such a nice guy. You could hit it, probably punch him around the face. I'd be like, ah, oh, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Like, just the nicest guy in the world. Um, so he was someone that I think in a dark period for the club, he's someone that definitely stands out as a as a positive influence, I think. Yeah, plenty of characters. You just mentioned Ian McInnes there. I'm sure you've got some fun yeah. memories of people. Well, I've got like one for Johnny, Johnny Earl, actually. I remember I was in Tiger Tiger <laughs> five or six years ago. <laughs> so I'm walking in there, like, and I'm, see, I can see this like crowd of people. So like Johnny's in the middle, like, all I can remind me of like Stifler and American Pie. He's having like a dance off with Selma, <laughs> full on dance off. And I'm like, wow, he's mental. He must be steaming. So I'm at the bar. I'm like, Johnny, do you want a drink? Do you want a drink? He literally looks at me and just goes, I'm not drinking, buddy. He's completely sober in the middle, just hitting the robot in the tiger, tiger. I was like, this geezer is, he's unbelievable. He was like. The definition of high off life. He was just so happy to be alive. He just loved it. He was brilliant. I'm not drinking, buddy. Amazing. I think I need a bottle of Jaeger to get going for that. Oh, that's what I mean. He was amazing. I just thought, what a character. You've got to be some character to be in the middle of, of a nightclub doing a dance on sober as a dice. Incredible. As you say, like plenty, plenty, plenty of good, good memories. Any, any other characters you say that stand out from, from that time? The likes of Simon Ferry's uh, one, isn't it? Yeah, Fezza was... Hilarious, to be honest. Joe Devere, I was another one. Hilarious. Was um, he funny? I thought he was just genuinely funny. Yeah, I thought he was dry. a bit of a dope. Nah, he was dry. He was, he was dry. He was dry as. He was funny because that was a little gang, really. It was like me, Holmesy, Simon Ferry, Joe Devere. Um, and Patrick Adjuman was in that as well. 
It's just people I still speak to now. Nicky Shorey, another one who was in that group. Yeah. Um, yeah, we spent many a days outside Belal, I think, on the coffees in the afternoon. And that's what you've, like, Paul, it's such a nice place to live, I think. That's why, like yeah. I say, players love, love going there, living there. Um, yeah, we had a great time. We had a great time, that's for sure. Jay, Jay can Sorry. I ask you about one of your, one of your academy graduates, Ashley Harris? Yeah. Obviously, you came, you came through with him and he, he sort of disappeared after making the, the breakthrough. Was he, he was obviously a talented player. What happened to him? Yeah, it was crazy, really. Because I remember when Michael Appleton come in, so like we would all go, Paul Hardeman and Andy Orford would go over in like fives and sixes so the new manager could see us. We'd be doing training, da-da-da-da-da. Mm. Um, I actually remember Dan Butler smashing David Norris. Like, great tackle, <laughs> but obviously hurt him. Didn't, didn't mean to hurt him. Great tackle. And I remember, I can't remember the manager. It might have been Cox, actually. Just went mental. No tackling in training, da-da-da-da-da. And then this is like the culture we had in the youth team. I remember Paul Hardiman, the next day, called a meeting and we were like, oh no, like, he's going to have a go at us. And he was like, that's what you need to do. But you went over there, laid a marker down, great tackle. <laughs> we were all like, what? Like, mixed messages. Like, that, that was the culture we had. Like, we, we, we were so desperate to get into that first team. Um, I mean, I remember Elliot Wheeler, George Colson, me, Dan Butler, mm. like pre-season lapping the first team and they're all booting footballs at us. Only now I realise if if I had a, if we had a seventeen year old at Millwall lapping me, I'd be human as well. But at, the time, at the time, you're just trying to make a good impression. Um, yeah, and Ashley Harris, when we went over in groups, he was like, to be honest, I've probably never seen a player in such good form for like two months. Everything, the first team lads were just giving him the ball all the time, giving the ball, giving the ball, shot, top corner, shot, top corner, like he was on fire. Um, and obviously played a few games, done really well, and he was sort of the one that first got in and made a real impact. Obviously. Yeah, from Portsmouth, crowd loved him, singing his name. So we were all like, incredible, amazing, like buzzing off him. And then obviously, unfortunately for Ash, it's, it's not worked out um, the way he probably would have wanted it to. Um, but I'm not being funny. How many people from Portsmouth get to play for Portsmouth and have the crowd sing their name? So I think mm. he can certainly yeah. sit at home on his sofa and, and feel proud that he's actually done that because there's probably 50 to 100,000 people living in Portsmouth now that, would, that are dreaming of doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you still get in touch with No, he's one I've not spoke to for a while actually. Um, yeah. I still speak to Sam Magri all the time, um, Adam Webster. Who else do I speak to? Uh, Butts, I speak to sometimes. Elliot Wheeler, I st- Andy Orford, I still speak to quite a bit. So there's still like, I think actually George Bramford, uh, Connor Chaplin, I speak to all the time. So I think there's actually a group of them that are still really close Jack Maloney, Webster, mm-hmm. James Hartson. I think there's loads of them that still stay in touch, which is, which is nice really. Yeah, just touched on Orfs there, there, Jed. I mean, how much of an influence? I mean, and obviously, you're reflecting on Andy Orford's time of manager. It, what sticks out is that, that run to safety at the end of the season that you mentioned just a little bit earlier. Yeah, it was brilliant, that was. Um, I was gutted, really, that it never worked out the way I wanted it to uh, with Orfs because that would have been, for him, probably a dream come true. And for the punters as well, that's obviously, he was like one of their own being a manager. It would have been brilliant. Would have worked. It didn't work out the way that romantically it probably should have. Um, but yeah. Orfs is definitely someone that I held and do hold now in high regard for helping me get to where I've got to really um, he tells me a funny story actually about one of the players in our youth team at the time after my first game against Coventry for the youth team obviously I just signed like a three year professional contract da 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 played against Coventry we lost 2-0 and I had an absolute stinker like I literally I was so nervous first game for the youth team couldn't even pass the ball I had a stinker and also always tells me one of the other players parents went up to him after and went that's the sort of players this club are signing. I'm not sure I want my boy to be here anymore. 
remember Ross always told me, told me about three years later when I'd finally achieved something in my career. And, I, and he always says it with a smile on his face. Just always hammering. Always, <laughs> still has a go at me now for how bad I was in that game. I'm like, mate, it was a YouTube game seven years ago. Let me off. Let me off. Uh, but no, I still speak to us all the time. And if I ever had a problem, he'd be one of the first people I call. Um, and when I was a little bit out of the picture at Wolves and feeling a little bit down in the dumps, he was always someone that picked the phone up with me. Uh, and also um, Macca as well, Alan McLaughlin. They both picked the phone up and always checked in how I was and just to keep my head up and stuff. And obviously, you don't forget. Don't forget things like that, really, when people are really kind no. to you and things aren't going well. It's easy for everyone to say, give you a call when it is going well, but when it's not, it's, it's always you see who, who your true friends are, really, that do pick up the phone when it ain't going so well. And I think Orbs and Macca are definitely two of them. Orbs ranting at me once, well, ranting at me because of you, because you had a, an interview, I think it was in Sky Sports or something, on their website, and you were quite early on in your career. And, he's, and he, he pulled you, apparently. Oh, he, hated the... he hated all that. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, we know that. We know that as journalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, he said he you were trying to build your profile or something, and he didn't. He didn't take kindly to that. No, he didn't Does like it. Really... He didn't like it. He didn't like it. He didn't. He didn't like it. Like he was. It was probably the best thing for me. But as soon as I got even half a centimeter above my station, he made surely that I was within an hour. I'd be ten foot below it. Don't worry about that. Like he was someone that yeah, he definitely had me. Um, and still now, like, he's got me on toast, to be honest. Like, if he rang me and said, oh, can you just go in your lounge and do 50 press-ups? I'll, I'll be like, yeah, 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 no worries, no worries. He's someone that I'm still a <laughs> little bit fearful of this day, to be honest. But that's obviously, I, I owe him a lot. And he, he knows what I think of him. And like say, we had a, a great rapport at the time and, and still speak to him now. I think he's, he's obviously at Luton now. So, travelling mm. up, up and down there every day. Um, so, a bit of a commute for him. Yeah, yeah. The we before I knew you uh, as a person, we we knew you as a young player coming through. There's a bit of talk, and uh, there's this confident young lad coming through in, in the academy, and that was the thing we, the thing we heard about this. This yeah, you know, full of confidence. Is it? Is that something that you've always had in your in, in yourself, a quiet belief and ability, and be able, able to maintain yourself that way? Yeah, I think um, probably I was a little bit chirpier then than I am now. I think I'm probably calm. <laughs> I'd like to think I've calmed down a little bit. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, you probably saw my confidence in the early days when I performed a perfect sure. example of ignition, R. Kelly, in Portugal. Was it, Neil? Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, so it, yeah, it was in Spain, was it in wasn't Spain? it? Yeah. Spain, Spain yeah, absolutely. Absolutely And then Webster win it, didn't he? Yeah, I know. That'll come out of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah. Little, um... Dan Butler wearing mankini. So this was, yeah. was this a dance, dance competition in, in Spain? Did it was this, like, first, when you travel the first team, you've got to sing a song. So like a few of the lads go safe with like a bit of Oasis and I've gone, I'm just going to go in with it. And I've just gone like Ignition or Kelly, just throw myself <laughs> in the deep end. Um, went down quite well, actually. Went down quite well. Did. Very well. Enjoyed it. But yeah, but I just yeah. think if in football now, so many people are quick to shoot you down. I think the most important thing you've got to do is believe in yourself, really. Because if you don't, especially in the world of social media, uh, if you read too mm. much into the negative stuff, then uh, you'll be feeling down in the dumps all the time. So I think football's it, it can change so quickly. Like one thing Abby always says to me, like my missus always says to me, in six months you can completely change your whole career. Really, you can like last season we had a terrible season. I was quiet, and this year I've had a good season and feel great about everything again. It can just change so quickly. So it's it's important to stay level-headed with it all. I think great great times at Pompey, but not all necessarily sweetness and light for you. Um... Some some of the stuff on social media was was actually pretty rough at times, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. I think that was all part and parcel of it, really. And I think I was probably the only player that was there long enough to fans to feel they had an affiliation with, which is why I got battered a little bit. I think. Um, 
But no, I think the Mans. There's one game that sticks out. We played Mansfield at home. I was having a I'd probably give myself a three out of ten. It wasn't a good game. So I get subbed off 60th minute. So I just want to sit there and sulk for half an hour before the game finishes. And it's probably the only argument I've ever had with Mark. Like, it comes on a tannoy. Today's sponsors, man of the match, da 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 da, number 35, Jed Wallace. And I've just Ooh. gone, oh no. Like, tried sliding down, literally. And I can hear a few people like heckling and going, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I agree, mate. I was terrible. I agree. So I remember I said to Mark, like, I went up, I was fuming after the game. I said to Mark, like, you're making out, like, you're trying to make me look stupid, da 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 da. Who's done that? Who's done that? And it was just like the match day sponsors. They just voted. Yeah. And obviously, they probably had eight pronies and just first person they saw, they just picked him. <laughs> so they picked me. And I think even to this day now, I think Mark and a couple of other of the directors, they actually picked them out of the match just in case something like that happens. I'm pretty sure to this mm-hmm. day that still happens. Mm-hmm. Um, all because I had a stinker against Mansfield. That's why they, that's why they changed the rules. But there we go. <laughs> Jed, I do, I do remember one of my match ratings for you. You actually got in touch with me and moaned that I rated you too highly. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm confident, Neil, but I'm also honest, mate. I'm also yeah, honest. exactly. You don't get that often with players. I've had players ring me up complaining about match ratings, but you actually said you can be me too highly. Yeah. Well, I know when I play well, and I trust me, I know when I play bad. It makes it because I always get in the car. Even like my mum and dad always travel to every away game. So like, I always travel back with them. I never go back on the coach. And no matter mm. how bad I play, my mum always says I do well. So I get in the car, mum goes, oh, I thought you played brilliant. <laughs> And then my dad would just go, nah, not today, son. And then if I get something like that, oh, it's a tough journey home. It's a tough Ooh. journey home for me. Yeah. As, well, as you said earlier, you, you left with everyone's blessing and it was just known because you were down to higher, a higher level. But I remember you telling me Paul Cook had a right go at trying to keep you there. I think you actually yeah, yeah, do, yeah. doing an accent. An impression of Paul Cook. Jesus, oh, I don't have. Let me check. I've got some strepsils in the in the fridge. Uh, literally, yeah. I remember he sort of pulled me in and just sort of said, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, Look, "I'm probably going to be moving on." He's like, "No, nah, stay." Like you, Roberts, like Bennett, da da da. And I was like, "Yeah." Like, and then he was like really sportive. I mean, I had a ten minute chat with him and. I walked out of the room and I knew that Portsmouth were going to have a good team the following season. Um, mm. And obviously they did. And obviously I played against Cookie twice this year, so I still speak to him when I see him and Liam Richardson. Um, really nice people. And he's a manager that obviously they play a really good style of play. Um, possession-based football, so that's something that maybe even one mm. day I would, I, would lo- I would like to play for him because obviously he plays the way that I would like to play. Um, done really well. And obviously when Portsmouth got promoted, I was buzzing. And I am still sit on the sofa. I've normally actually got Mark on the phone when I'm doing a cup draw. One day we will draw Portsmouth, and I was fuming because Barnsley got gone. So Connor gets got to go back, and I've not gone to go back yet. So I was a little bit <laughs> jealous of Connor. Um, but no, I'm still waiting for that cup draw to happen, or to Portsmouth to pull their finger out and get promoted. Hopefully this season, if we can get it finished, <laughs> get it finished. Well, that, what, what, what is your view on on the season and your in your current position now? I mean, Championship seems to be heading towards a return. Not so clear on the on the lower yeah. leagues, but as a player, where, where are you at with it? Uh, frustrated really um, just kind of want to know get some closure on it and know what's happening um, but obviously there's much more important things than, than me feeling a little bit frustrated because I can't play football so I'm also wary of that I'm also wary of yeah I'm happy to go back because I'm not vulnerable and mum and dad aren't vulnerable luckily enough but mm. if Abby was 35 weeks pregnant I probably wouldn't want to go back so you've got to be respectable to to everyone's own situation um, like I was only speaking to John Marquez the other day and I know his, his little girl I think she's got asthma so it's like people like this you've got to, you've got to factor in everyone's circumstance um, which is only fair 
because at the end of the day, it's, it's a game of football. But me personally, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to go back. And as long as it's done safely, um, I just really hope that the football season can get finished. And I, I worry for League One and League Two, to be honest. But I do feel like the Championship will get done. But for, for League One and League Two, I, I do worry that it, it won't get done. And then obviously, that's another season that I won't get to go back to Crown Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know Mark's position on it as well. I'm sure as well. He's very keen to like, like everyone. Yeah, he's but... pushing, and rightly so. He's pushing because they've had a good season again. I know there's a little, a little bit of negative around it sometimes, um, and obviously, I feel the same sometimes because they they go on a run and you win sort of seven games in a row, and then gets to a big game and they just can't quite nick a win. And but when you mm. actually break down what Kenny's done there in the last two or three years, um, he's done a great job, to be honest, in my opinion, and he's. He was someone that Mark asked me about him when he went, obviously, because I had him at Wolves and Kenny and Joe, they, they know what they're doing. Um, and I've got no doubt that Kenny is definitely the person to get Pawson back up the leagues. Hopefully, if the season finishes this season, I still feel like they're going to have a big chance, if it, even if it is via the playoffs. With the players they've got at the top end of the pitch, I think they've got a massive chance. And if not, then they'll have to go again next year. And with Kenny, you know that you're always, always going to be in and around that top three or four, I think. Yeah. If you so if you stayed, you'd have played for Paul Cook, and you ended up playing for Kenny Jacket. I can't I think of two more separate characters. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Definitely. I think I definitely one slightly more sensible than the other. I would guess. <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, Jed. It's been a real pleasure to catch up again. Really great to have a chat and get your insight. And um, hope all goes well. And um, we'll be Brilliant seeing you down. Brilliant. Thanks Park. for having me on. It's good to see you all again. Cheers, Jay. Good to see you guys. Thanks Cheers, for lads. that. Cheers, guys. See you no later. Worries. Bye. See you later, Jordan. Bye. Bye. No Cheers, mate. See you, mate.